Did you hear the big news? We started a private university. We are rolling out a new design certificate program and a master's degree program along with our Design Suite Mastermind. We have new enrollment dates coming up for these programs. And if you want to watch a 10-minute video and learn more, go to designsuitecourses.com learn. Welcome to the Make and Design Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Gardner. On this podcast, we're unraveling the everyday joys and dilemmas of design, making, and business. For makers who want to be designers and for designers who are makers, this is your inside scoop to help you grow your business and bring more creativity to your life. Hey guys, I'm so excited to share with you today part two of a podcast interview I did with Ryan Leacock of the Creative People podcast. Um, I'm kind of just giving sage advice to Ryan and to anyone else about what it really takes to make money as a designer or as a creative in general. And I'm really hoping you enjoy this sage advice. If you have not listened to part one, I highly recommend you go back in the podcast, wherever you're listening to it, and go find the previous episode and listen to part one first, and then continue here with part two. So without further ado, I'm going to turn on this podcast episode I hope you really enjoy with Ryan Leacock. Mm, that's a good perspective. And also what you, you said about, like, you can still be creative in that lane and the great thing about our minds is like we'll fill in the spaces so if you're like this is my focus and i'm only going to focus on this i know my creative mind and it would be like okay i can play in that i can play in that lane but when you aren't trying to focus on that lane it'll be like do this over there and then you'll like i just imagine like a car just cutting through all these lanes like and that's a lot of creative people we're just like i'm gonna go this side and this side and well, because you want to see what's over there, For like, sure. right? It's you want to see what's over there. And maybe it's more fun in the fast lane than you realize. Maybe it's more fun in the slow lane. They seem to be taking their time. <laughs> and so yeah, that's such a great analogy for what we do as creatives. And then do you know what happens? Because we've been zigzagging so much, we don't see very much progress on the road. We we haven't been doing a straight line. And so we're just like, we're still back here. And then we're grumpy and we're upset when we haven't made any progress. For when sure. it's just like, you've been zigzagging because you haven't been just staying staying straight, like you're not going to see the progress. Yeah. I, I have recently gone through a similar thing. And, and while I don't have any expertise like you have, I've like, I'm like these four things, that's what I'm focusing on. And I know it sounds like a lot, but it's like one of them's a podcast, one of them. And, and I've accepted too, this is the long haul. It's these things for the long haul. And so I've, we talked before about me kind of paring down. I kind of did that. I mean, like I, I, I had to keep it maybe like a few lanes though. I can just do one. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard because you're a business owner, right? So you still have to market yourself. Sure. You have to create the product, whatever it is, you know, the art, the writing, the whatever it is. Yeah. And then it's figuring out, you know, some other lanes that that matter. But that's just owning a business, right? Yeah, like true. I couldn't do what I'm doing without lots of people helping me with all the lanes. I can really only focus on one thing. Everybody knows on my team what I'm focusing on, mm. but everybody else on the team, they have their own focuses. So they all are kind of building those lanes for me so that we mm. can drive the entire bus. Yeah. What would you say to someone who like doesn't have a team? So I didn't have a team for 13 years. Yeah. So like it, first of all, and I made multiple six figures as an individual designer, just doing the things that I say, tell people to like the stuff I've told you on this podcast is literally stuff I tell people to do. And if they do it, 
they're good. They can, they can make, they get their 10,000 hours faster. You know, Malcolm Gladwell's, yeah, yeah, yeah. they get it faster. They become an expert faster and they see progress faster. So they stay motivated longer. Mm. And, and so all of those things really, really matter. So if you do not have a team, the goal is to choose one product type, whatever it is, like maybe you do art prints, stick to art prints, just stick to it and see how it goes for six months before you change your mind about something else. I, I notice people don't give it long enough to mm. kind of see if it works. Not every category of thing works. For example, I had one of my designers said, I think I'd like to do digital bookmarks. We dug into it and I'm like, there is no market here for this. Like this is not going to work, mm -hmm. but you haven't, people don't do their research or they don't do it for long enough to see if it really has a market. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what I would say. Like I spent the first 13 years in multiple markets, but most of them I stayed in by myself for a very long period of time as I watched it grow. Mm. That's good advice. And it, it's, yeah, I'm really, you guys reached out to me to talk on the podcast. And I'm really like, I feel like, oh, this is a gift. I Do I need to hear these things? <laughs> Caitlin's really good at her job. <laughs> <laughs> so as a creative person, is there anything that frustrates you? I don't like doing the boring stuff just like everybody mm -hmm. else, right? Like I would rather be sitting down and designing wallpapers all day. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I am about six months behind in turning in a fabric line. Like I just, just like every creative, like we all have deadlines. I miss deadlines. <laughs> I like, cause I'm just so busy, but I will say that one of my superpowers is prioritizing. Mm -hmm. I know what's most important now. And for me in this phase of my life, I am trying very hard to help as many people as possible live the dream of being a creative, of being a designer. And by doing that, by knowing that's what my soul, real soul purpose is, for me, it's okay to be six months late on a fabric line. I, just, I know it will happen. I will carve out the time for it. But right now, this very second, I'm teaching people how to become font designers and, you know, like all kinds of things. And that's important to me right mm. now. Yeah. If you were to describe, or I want you to picture in your mind, your creativity, and I want you to give it a physical form and, and how you relate to it and how, what it means to you. And what does that look like for you? I think it's a little bit like, and I think I'm thinking this because I just designed a line around this, but maybe a sailboat. Yeah. I think a really good uh, I think everybody has a great vessel to start with. You're mm -hmm. like already set up, ready to go. And you've got these sails, but most people aren't using the wind to blow them in the right direction. They've mm -hmm. got their sails all the wrong way and they're kind of moving things around. And instead of using what's around them to their leverage so that they, they become even better at it, what happens is that they you know, they're fighting against the wind. They want to go mm. way over here yeah. or they want to go way over there. But most of the time for me, I'm usually riding the wave. Like I'm following wherever the tide is taking me and I'm following wherever the wind is blowing me. And are there small deviations? Yes, but I know where I'm going because I'm following what naturally makes sense for myself, for my business and for my family. Mm. I really like that. In terms of inspiration, and how that comes to you. Talk to me about that process. Oh my gosh. I'm inspired by so many things. Even I will say, I think one of the hardest things about 
so I'm 43. I have a 19 year old who's, you know, the animator and, you know, she'll show me things and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, like I had no idea that was even possible. Or we actually have one 19 year old in our program, which is crazy. She has this, we, we were able to get her a huge mural installation that she did made a ton of money off of it. It was insane. And she did it and she was just so excited, but she comes to me all the time and says, Hey, Karina, have you heard of this for Twitch streamers? And I'll be like, no, why would I have ever heard of that before? And I'll be like, go make a gazillion of those and go see if you can make money doing it. Right. And so I find myself inspired by my students, by my kids. Like, I feel like there are so many new emerging markets that I don't understand and know because I've been busy doing this and I teach people these things, but I also teach people like check for the emerging markets because they're happening every day. Yeah. The the world's like changing and like fast forward right now. Like, Mm -hmm. well, I was just talking to someone about AI and that that whole avenue is like mind blower. Yeah. But there's just so many ways to make money, but most people aren't thinking about how could this make me money so that I could do really cool things with it. They're thinking about, I'm scared of it. It's going to be, it's going to ruin my job. It's like, they're all thinking all the negative things when I'm thinking like, Ooh, so AI is going to make the best designers even better because people are going to use the AI to figure out here's kind of what I want. They'll take it to a designer and the designer can be like, Oh yeah, I can customize it and make it exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. Guess what? The designers who are not on top of it, they're going to fall. And so what we have to do is we have to tell people and teach people how to become the best in their category and be well known for it because that's how we rise to the top. Mm. I really like that. Now to go one step further, when you are making any of your own creative projects, talk to me about inspiration for that specific thing. It's almost always stuff I want to build for my house. So like if I'm doing like bunting and banners, it's because I bought a house. This house actually has tons of fireplaces. So suddenly I was like, like every Valentine's day banner, every Halloween banner, every Christmas banner, like I was making them. Yeah. My big ultimate gingerbread house, which is probably my most popular item that people are obsessed with. I made that literally because I wanted a a giant gingerbread house in my living room for Christmas, you know? (laughs) So I make for me, like, I'm not one of those designers who's like, I'm going to make for this person way out there. No, 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 no. I make for me because if I'm willing to use it, then I know other women, especially of my age range and type are going to be also wanting and interested in creating those things. I think very often we're like busy thinking about who out there might like this instead of building stuff for ourselves because we are our own market. Mm. So let's use that gingerbread one for an example. So talk to me about when you had that idea and like walk me through those early stages and like getting it to like even making it a product. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So I had originally several years back created something called the Christmas village. It was probably the first that I had seen someone creating a 3d set of houses that were cute, like a whole set in -hmm. paper. People hadn't been doing that. They'd create like an individual, something very simple. And these were detailed, like all the candy canes and the wreaths and the gumdrops. It was like very detailed. So an advanced user would get very excited to create this whole Christmas village. The most popular piece in there was a very small gingerbread house. It was very detailed. It had a high gable and I just really enjoyed making it. It was just it was pretty. I mean, like I'm, I'm attracted to pretty things. And I was like, (laughs) it's pretty. Well, 
I got into that boredom stage where I was like, I feel like I've made everything. I had done haunted villages. I've done Easter villages. I'd done all these different things. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I wonder what it would be like if we could take this mean, this machine, we have a set limit, right? It was a, the cameo, the silhouette cameo or the cricket explorer. They only do a 12 inch by 12 inch paper. That's the biggest size we can do. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how do I create something bigger when I only have 12 inch by 12 inch papers or letter size papers? And so I was like, well, clearly I have to become an architect. So I have to figure out how to structurally build this thing so that it will sit like big, but then, and then hide all the seams. I've got to figure out a way to hide all of these blocks that I'm building and hide all the seams. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just became an exciting project of like, is it possible to build something that's, you know, 14 inches by 20 inches and has a lot of depth to it. You know, how's that going to go? And it took me two weeks. It was the first one I'd ever done like that. And it yeah. was, I made lots of mistakes, like the roof lines, figuring out how to set them all up together. I mean, it was a nightmare. And after two weeks, I built it and I was like, this is awesome. Well, one of the things, if you go to my Instagram feed, it, if anybody wants to go see it, I, I show them this gingerbread house at BYU, Idaho. And then a couple of years later, Silhouette came out with something called the Silhouette Pro, which cut a 24 inch paper. Oh, and they said, Karina, will you make something? And I said, sure. And I built that same big gingerbread house and it basically doubled in size on this 24 inch, but it's not double because it's really more than that, right? Because yeah, it's not yeah. just 12 inches, it's 24 inches by 24 inches and it like compound interest, everything. Totally. So I show you guys love the reaction of the BYU students as they see me pull this thing out because they're just like, what? Because people don't realize how big it is. It takes two people to carry it into oh a room. And I just think I love to push myself. Like I am, I am always challenging myself on the next step. Like, what can I do to, to beat myself? And that's how I think great designers are really made. Yeah. And like creative people in general, like that, just mm -hmm. like that gnawing push of just like, I want to do the next thing I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I do think is different than perfectionism. I, I am so not, a, I am not a perfectionist. In fact, we were, I was just, my husband and I were talking about this. I was like, I actually kind of am a little sloppy. Sometimes I like to get the big projects or whatever done as fast as possible. So I tend to not be a perfectionist. I think it's more about pushing yourself to be like, what's the next thing? What's the cool thing I can build. And in that same way, I still stay in my lane, right? Yeah, yeah. Like for me, my lane still now is fabric and SVGs and teaching. So I have as many lanes as you do, mm. but, um, you know, those took 15 years yeah. to build. And it's a good reminder of like the it's we're in this for the long haul. Mm -hmm. You know, I keep, you keep coming back to like how long you've been doing it and your three years and 10,000 hours that doesn't happen overnight. So like you got to give it the time, right? Yeah. You do have to give it the time. And then you also have to be paying attention to markets because they are changing so mm. quickly. I felt like that was one of the number one things the faculty came out of when I, I talked to them, they were like, so the markets are changing quickly. And I said, yes. And that's why I can't tell you platforms because they might not be relevant in two months. Yeah. So instead we've got to teach our kids how to be good business owners, how to stick to one thing for long enough, how to get really good at their craft or their art mm. so that they can figure out best methods for making it palatable for customers. Yeah. And that's like principles rather than like rules. Right. Yeah. And like, holy, like 
I know even since I started this podcast, like when I started, I was on Instagram. Like it was a completely different. The roles were different. It was so different. Like you could do chronological, right? Like you could put up five posts a day and all of your people would see it. Yep. You know, I, and, and, and look at the feeds. I was thinking of someone's feed. I know that they got to 30,000 or 30,000 people really, really quickly, but has never grown since. Right. So it's like, if you're not adaptable and you're not doing it quick enough, like, man, this is not a world where you get to stay stagnant. Yeah. And once like using the Instagram thing, once it changed, it was like, uh, I have to like relearn it. And you, and then you have like, we're talking about lanes. You have like, well, I have all these other things to do. So it, it, it gets really tough. And what do you say to keep people, you know, motivated? How do you stay motivated? You know, I think that's part of the reason we ended up. So my program actually, when we originally started, it was six months mm. and we just found that they would fall off. If mm. So we kept them. Now we keep them for a whole year. <laughs> and I tell them there's a reason we send kids to university for four years. It's and they have to get a grade because mm. that accountability is key because motivation goes away. Oh, yeah. And so when you join a program or a master, I'm in a mastermind, when I join like things, it's to keep me accountable. Like I've told myself that it's going to keep me motivated because I paid this money and I'm going to do the things and I'm going to follow what my mentor is telling me to do. And so I think very often we think we can do it by ourselves, but I was thinking about myself over the years. I've never done it by myself. I've always mm-hmm. had a creative director. I've always had a CEO of a fabric company to talk to. I've always had a CEO of a, of a, a scrapbooking company that I meet with once a week. I've never done it by myself mm-hmm. really. And truly, I mean, yes, you are, you're designing by yeah, yourself, yeah. but at the end of the day, most people thrive from getting some kind of mentorship. They thrive from community and friendships, right? Because mm-hmm. it encourages you and gets you excited. And so I think as creatives, we need those things more than people realize what would you say to someone who is looking for those kind of things? How do you find them? Like, how do you, like, where do you go? I know. Well, so one of the toughest parts about that, if we're being honest is creatives don't like to be in charge of those things. Mm. Right. And so I would say, go to Facebook and go find writing groups. My husband's a writer and I was like, go join. I was like, I'm paying for it. Go find a writing mastermind. So he has like groups that he meets with, like really, if you can pay into it, then someone is motivated to keep that program going. Mm. Um, my children, they go to call, like my oldest is in college right now, but when they get out of college, we will be signing them up for masterminds and writing groups and animation groups, because at the end of the day, I love free groups. I try, I've tried them before. They just don't stick because who's in free group. Those are like-minded people, right? When mm. you pay into a paid group, what happens is you get people of a total different caliber. They're interested in staying. They're going to do the work. They're dedicated to what they're doing. So you get a different group of people mm-hmm. and whoever's facilitating it. And they're cheap ones, right? Like you can join, like, I think my husband's mastermind is like 27 or $37 a month. Mm. Mine is not my, I have an expensive program, but you can find things out there where you can pay for a membership of community that will help you get started. Interesting. And like, yeah, I would love to hear some, like, if you have any suggestions, like maybe we can like send some my way. Cause it's just really interesting because so many creatives do think like, 
you look around at the people around you and sometimes you're the only one who has this like burning desire to like do more. It's because you are alone in Toronto doing it, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm in Salt Lake or I'm in Sandy, Utah, and my people are in Australia and in Britain and all over the United States and in Canada and in Mexico. And here's the thing. It's hard to find the people right here. And so it's, that's why online is such a beautiful place because you will find the people, Mm -hmm. my, my personal little peer mastermind, there's five of us in it. None of us, three are on the East coast. Two of us are on the West coast. We would have never found each other in a, in a conventional method, but because Mm -hmm. we're all in a mastermind together and we found each other, we started meeting together and started talking and it became this amazing community of growth and learning, but we wouldn't have found our each other any other way. Mm. I really like that. And like, just you're definitely broadening my, my outlook a little bit. And I really appreciate it. Like I like, yeah, it is a nice surprise. (laughs) It is always a surprise when people realize that I know a couple of things about building your business and it really is. I I didn't doubt you. Well, just because most people know me as a fabric designer or like, you know, they're like, oh, you're a designer. Once they figure out that we have a huge team, that we understand how business works, that we want people to be profitable. I mean, part of the reason I'm on this podcast is that people who are listening, it's not, I'm assuming I'm talking to writers and creatives and painters and people who would not fit well in my program, but I'm hoping that they hear this and they go, the possibility is here. Why haven't I done this thing? Why haven't I pushed myself to go find a mastermind? Why haven't I found even a free Facebook group to hang out in? Why haven't I found local people to do things with? Because if you can start that conversation, I promise you things will change. It will lead you on a journey of finding the right people that need to be in your life. Yeah. And I can vouch for that in a, in a smaller way. Um, I said before, I think when we were talking that I returned to acting this year and Getting in touch with that community has been totally like there's a wind in my sail that wasn't there before because I don't feel alone and it helps me when I'm and they're not writers and and it it's just acting but being part of that community has just bled over into all the other area, creative areas of my life and yeah so I I'm in my little way I'm like yeah you're right. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's always not the people, you know, it's the people that, you know, someone else, they know it's always Mm. like second or third away. So I'm always digging into my current contacts and talking with them. And this actually just happened where someone in one of my masterminds said, you ought to meet my cousin, who's an interior designer doing these things. And then I flew to LA and had a meeting with him who then met, like hooked me up with someone else that I started talking to. And the thing is, you just don't know where the bread crumb, crumbs are really going to lead unless you mm. explore them. Mm. I really like that. Yeah. Is there anything that you're reading or like a quote that you've heard recently that stands out to you that you could pass on to us? Oh my gosh. I heard the best thing ever. It was in my mastermind. So she said, um, you can either have control or growth, but not both. Oh, that is good. It's really good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I like control and yeah. I'm like, Rina, just, you've got to like, let go of some things in order to grow. Yeah. And I love it that it also that what you just said, like brings the mystery back into it too. Like, of just like, you can't like in creative work, sometimes you, we can get so like, I want to control this or, but really letting it unfold and letting, and letting that mystery in, like, that's where the good stuff happens. Right. 
Oh so. man, it really is. It's like, you can only do so much. And then there's this magic. Yeah. There's like this little bit of magic that really transforms the entire experience of being a creative. So it's like, put in all of your effort, all of your work, and then let the magic happen. But guess what? The magic doesn't happen if you don't put in the effort and the work. You know, you've, you haven't created enough. You haven't put enough ingredients and spices into the formula to mm. make it happen. Yeah. Karina, I've really enjoyed chatting with you and like hearing your perspective. And is there anything else that you want to leave us with as we kind of wrap this up? I think that if you are someone who is extremely, extremely creative, the only thing that you might be missing is understanding sales. That's it. And so it's like deterring you from doing what you want to do with 90% of your time by simply doing this little 10% to get you to the next level. So you can do it full time, right? Or do it however much you want in your life. I will say that I recently read a, I wrote a book that go outlines a lot of these things and including models for profitability. It's called design profit and prosper. It's on mm -hmm. Amazon. Get your hands on it if you're interested in sales, because it really talks about, even if you're creative, if you're a writer, you can read this. And just so you guys know, writers, I met someone in a mastermind who makes half a million a year just writing, and they're not super well known, and they use very, very ordinary channels. And that's the thing, like most people don't know what the possibilities are just because they haven't met someone who's already done it. Mm. I love that. And we'll definitely check out the show notes and we'll put the link in there to the book. And I want to check it out. So yeah. Thank you so much. You've really kind of opened up my perspective today. And I think it came at a good time. You know, I think there's, there's two, I was so afraid of the ditch of like money that I might've defaulted to be like, that bogs me down. I need to focus on, it. but it doesn't need to is what I'm hearing. It's just about yeah. focus and about being deliberate. And yeah, I found that really inspiring. Yeah. And make it feel easier. I think mm. people feel like the money part's hard. It actually can feel easy if you want it to be. Interesting. Well, thank you so much. I'm really glad you're on the podcast today. So glad to have been here. Hey, did you know that you can visit me at makeanddesign.com to learn more about this podcast and join my VIP group for weekly freebies? I can't wait to see you there.